0: Today on the podcast, we are chatting with Kitty from Atola Visuals and we sat down at her California studio to talk about her creator journey. Kitty started YouTube over six years ago, but she is no stranger to the creative industry. In fact, Kitty went to college for film and became a videographer working with many different clients. That's when she started her YouTube channel as a creative outlet and a way to help other creatives by sharing her gear reviews and behind the scenes of her creative shoots. Over the years, Kitty has built a community of over 70,000 subscribers on YouTube, 50k on Instagram, and 20k on TikTok. In this episode, Kitty shares with us how she juggles running her creative studio, working with brands, and finding a creative outlet through content creation. We also talk about how she almost quit YouTube, her experience with creator burnout, and mental struggles that we all have as a creator. Let's get into it!
1: So I was actually feeling burnt out for like quite some time, like it's been like two years, honestly, Mm. where I'm like just a little confused on what I should do, should I quit YouTube, should I quit social media, like sometimes I don't even want to do it at all, like it gets that hard, but then I'm like, there's literally no other job I'd rather be doing, (laughs) too at the same time, so you just like, kind of have to pick your challenges and your problems, and this is like the challenge and problems that I want to face.
0: Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Hi, Kitty. Hi. (laughs) I know you started your YouTube channel six years ago, is that correct?
1: my god, it's
0: a 20- 13?
1: 2016?
0: Something like that. It 2016? feels so long ago, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I scrolled back all the way back to your first video. You did? And Which I one found, was it? Yes, I found an About Kitty video, oh and I God. watched that one. Embarrassing. <laughs> and I was so shy back then.
1: Oh, were you? you? Tell me. I was like, hi, I'm Kitty.
0: Well, actually, it was a very well-produced video. So what I learned was that you were already a creative before you even started your channel. Yeah. And you wanted to create your channel to help other creatives, inspire people. Is that Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and
1: also for, like, a creative outlet at the time. Yeah, yeah. I always did video as my career, but, you know, when you work with other clients, you can't really express yourself the way you want to and do the videos that you want to. So I feel like YouTube was my way to just, like, let loose and nerd out with camera gear and make some short films and just, like, experiment and have fun and not have, like, you know, that pressure of, like, this client. Does the client like it? You know, it was just, like, do I like it? Does my audience like it?
0: Yeah. So how long were you doing video before you even started YouTube? (gasps) Video? Okay, so...
1: Well, I've always been, like, a creative, artistic person. I kind of grew up an only child because my half-sisters are way older than me, so they already moved out and, like, moved on with their lives at the time. So to fill up my time and have friends, I would just, like, do art projects. And my dad would actually bring me to Michael's, like, every Saturday because that was, like, discount day, and I'd find something creative to, like, do at home, whether it was, like, painting rocks or, like, playing with puzzles or playing with paper. And then eventually when I got to high school, there was a photography film class, So I took two of those and I really enjoyed it. And then, yeah, so when college came, I had to think of what to do with my life. And my sister's friend actually talked about how she went to Columbia College for film school. And I was like, that's interesting because I didn't know what to do at the time. I was like, I want to do something artsy and creative, but I wanted to make money too, you know. Like I wanted an art career where I could actually like, you know, pay for rent and things that I need. So somehow I managed to like get into film school Graduated with cinematography and everything in film school was like straight film, like 16 millimeter film, Bolex cameras. And then before that, I also was filming a lot with like my camcorder with my friends in high school. So that's kind of where it started. It's always been like in my life. And then YouTube happened, TikTok happened, Instagram happened, all this social media world is just like (laughs) engulfed in me now. Like I never thought social media would be my career, but here we are. Like I always thought. I moved to Japan and do, like, J-horror films. Like, that was my goal in film school. Really?
0: Okay. I love
1: horror films, so it's been cool to, like, produce that.
0: We'll definitely uncover all of that because ever since you started, it's been many years and now you have 70K on YouTube, like over 50K on Instagram and also 20K on TikTok. Oh my God, Am I missing anything? I'm a bit of a (laughs) stalker. (laughs) I have to stalk my guests before I actual chat. But when you first started, was there a goal for the channel in terms of growth or was it really just like, I wanted a place for an outlet and you weren't fully aware of what the possibilities were, especially career-wise?
1: Oh, yeah. So, actually, I have, like, several different channels. I don't know if anyone oh. else is like that. Like, I had my personal channel that I added my, like, film projects on that I didn't really want to like consistently do and then I had another one with my old coworker called like Red Dot Recipe if you find that because that was like the original name before we came up with of Visuals mm. and then we kind of had like a falling out and I wanted to keep the name and go with YouTube on my own so that's what of Visuals is like now so the goal during that time when I wanted to consistently pursue it I just kind of wanted to um talk about camera gear at the time because at the time I only had like one camera like one lens and I felt like as I was learning more about the film space on my own after film because this is like the digital realm I had to learn what a sensor was I had to learn what a DSLR was because they didn't teach that in my school so I felt like as I'm learning what I need to learn, it'd be cool if I made videos because maybe someone else wants to learn it too and they can learn from me. So it was also like the creative outlet, like I mentioned before, but then also like while I'm learning, maybe I could help other people learn too.
0: Mm. Were you aware that it's possible to make it a full-time career? Oh no. I
1: I wasn't really looking like, oh, I'm going to start YouTube and like make money off of this. I just kind of was like, you know, this is gonna, like, help me get known. Like, I felt like my goal when I started YouTube was to maybe get clients. Yeah. Because my whole goal was to start a video production company. I didn't really want to be on camera. Mm Because being on camera kind of, like, freaks me out. And, like, every time I'm in front of, every time, see, it's showing. Every time in front of camera, I get, like, a little nervous. And I always wanted to be behind camera and, like, make a video production company. So when people were like, you should change your channel name to your personal name, I was like, no, 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 I don't want to brand myself as me. Like, I want to build this company instead. Mm -hmm, So that was my goal is to get clients from other places and other sources. But then, of course, you know, YouTube happened, marketing happened. Yes. And then camera gear brands are like, hey, can you review this thing and review this thing and do a creative project and just show our product? Because social media is all about, like, selling things. Yeah.
0: But yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, Kitty does a lot of camera review videos. They are very in-depth. Sometimes it's phones, various camera functions, and also lens and so on. And sometimes you take them out to vlog with them and test them out as well, yeah. right? So there's a lot of helpful info on her channel if you're looking for in-depth breakdown on gear or if you're not sure what gear to purchase. Um, but also, you are one of the few females in this area of reviewing gear. Oh yeah, there was like no one when I yeah. started. I yeah. think there was, um,
1: what was her name? There was another girl at the time, but she quit.
0: Oh, It was like Cheesy Cam Girl or something. I don't even remember. I only know there's another big, a big YouTuber, the blonde girl who does- I Justine? Yeah.
1: Yeah, she was making, she's been making videos forever. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, she's like my idol. Like yeah. I want to be this tech reviewer at the time. That's what I thought. But then now that I've done so many gear reviews, I feel like, you know, I'm also older, so I'm self-reflecting on, like, what kind of legacy I want to leave. And I'm like, I don't want to be known as this gear reviewer either. So I'm trying to, like, figure it out and find myself and see, like, what other creative ways I can showcase, like, my expression and tell more stories instead of, like, here's a gear, here's the functions, and here's, like, the examples. Even though, like, I love
0: playing with gear,
1: I don't want that to be, like, my main thing anymore.
0: Yeah, actually, I noticed there was a shift in the type of video content you were making from, like, very in-depth gear review to more, like, vlog style or artistic projects. Was that an intentional shift because you want to shift out of just doing product review? And is that because, like, product review is a bit limiting creatively?
1: Yeah, and then... It also became a point where people would call me like the gimbal queen because I had like so many gimbal reviews at the time. And that's where people usually found me because gimbals were new at the time. So they're like, oh, what is the best gimbal? Mm. And I was like, I don't want to be known as the gimbal queen. That is like a terrible name. But it's such an honor that you guys think of me so highly over that. But I think it was, like, around 2019 that I started to, like, branch out and to do more storytelling because I felt like, oh, I'm playing with all this gear and telling people how to use it, but I have no work to show for it. Mm, You know, like, there was no videos that I felt really proud of. Like, if people were like, oh, you have a YouTube channel. Let's watch your YouTube on the projector screen. I'm like, no, 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 don't. It's so embarrassing. Like, I want to produce more videos that I'm like, yeah, let me show you this video. I'm really proud of it. Here's the story behind it. Here's how hard I worked on it. So I feel like that's what I want to do more of. And I love doing, like, the creative concept videos. I don't know if you watched a few of them. But I really like talking about, like, certain things like wabi-sabi or mental health or just, like, overcoming, like, these dark thoughts and, like, you know getting through it and hopefully like that's more motivation than like what kind of camera gear to buy yeah. even though like I want to pair the two somehow I haven't really figured it out mm-hmm. quite yet
0: I feel like we're going through a phase where originally people were very niche down in order to be known for something yeah, or niche down to, niche down that was yeah. like the number one yeah to stay consistent too right so that you can grow your audience first that way Mm -hmm. but then after a while you kind of have to branch out to have your brand be more diverse to be known for various different things and also have more opportunity for say brand deals or product placements and so on but Mm -hmm. it it does become limiting after you've grown a set amount of fan base and you have to expand beyond that
1: Yeah, because, like, how many gimbal reviews can I do? Eventually, they're, like, all the same. Cameras eventually are all the same, and I feel like we've, like, topped out a little bit on the camera gear. Now it's, like, electric cars are, like,
0: skyrocketing. I'm like, should I review electric cars? Probably not. Oh, I didn't notice that, but I guess Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other camera review channels as well. And There's so many now. It's crazy. Yes, and I will say they all very much look the same. (laughs) I was just thinking
1: about this the other day. Yeah, they all have
0: the blue LED light on the back of their head. Blue and
1: orange. Yes, blue and orange. Beauty lighting.
0: Yes, which is all great. It looks very professional. (laughs) On a wooden table, which I actually... (laughs) Oh, okay, yes. And it got to a point where I couldn't actually remember anybody's names. Oh. And it didn't really matter whose review I watched because it was just a review so that I could get a camera. Yeah, and you wouldn't so, subscribe to them. You're yeah. like, knowledge, knowledge, okay, moving on. So there was a, like a lack of personal brand aspect to it. Yeah. And even though it was very professional and very helpful, mm-hmm. um, there was little reason to stay and watch all the other things. So I think it's a great idea that you are branching out and interested in all these other areas as well because that will definitely help you. Exactly. I wish I had more time for them because you get like
1: sponsorships and then I have clients too. So I'm like, I need to finish those first because those are the paid priority things. And then I'm like, oh, now it's time to do a personal project. And I'm like, I'm tired. I just want to watch Netflix (laughs) and eat popcorn. But I should probably work on this other thing because I know I'm going to regret it later. And I regret it every time because I would have had so many videos by now if I just like
0: got off the couch. But yeah, it's hard.
1: It's exhausting.
0: (laughs) Can you Tell us a bit about the various aspects of your business. Uh, you have a creative agency. Oh, yeah. So I run a of Visuals in California,
1: and we have several clients where we do TikToks for them. Um, we have this new real estate uh, client who's starting his YouTube channel and his social media to get his personal branding. So we're helping him with the workflow and project management and editing and graphics for that. Uh, we have another client That's Instant Ramen Brand. So me and Brian do, and Skylar, we do cooking videos for their TikToks all day. And we just started their YouTube channel because they also want to start a YouTube channel. Like you said, like, it's a longevity thing. And I feel like YouTube has always been the top dog out of all the platforms. I feel like deep down, like, everyone wants a TikTok because it's cool and fun and trendy. But YouTube is there for the long run. And it's really hard to compete with that. And then also I have brand deals with camera brands like Sony, um, lighting companies like Nanlite so I get to play with a lot of film equipment which is a lot of fun and it's come to the point where I have like too much (laughs) and I'm trying to like downsize and get rid of a bunch of things because there's only so much gear that i can play with and only so many cameras i could use at one time so yeah. now i'm just trying to figure out like what's the best camera right now and what are the essential lighting gears that i use the most because you can't have like too much stuff i don't want to be a hoarder i've always tried to be like a minimalist and just like use
0: what i actually have mm-hmm. so that's important too okay okay and then you also have, I guess, AdSense and affiliate income aspect of the Well yeah, but those are like so
1: <laughs> low. They're like pennies. So I don't really focus on that much. Yeah, I feel like as creatives,
0: it's all about income sources. A multiple of them. income sources. Merch. Revenue streams. Digital digital products too. Yeah, <laughs> all yeah. The Has that been something that is always on your mind? Like how to find different income streams and maximize the revenue? I feel like I've always been like that. Like, even when I first
1: started, I had, like, 10 different random side hustle jobs. Like I I used to deal blackjack and poker Um, as, like, a side hustle. I made, like, 100 bucks a night, but I was like, ooh, money, you know. Like, I'll do whatever I can um, to make money where I can just so I could, like, shoot videos. Because in college, it's funny because senior year... Uh, we had like a guest speaker and she's like, oh, you should have a part-time job and be a florist because you probably won't make a lot of money in this industry. And I was like, that is so scary to tell me this senior year when we're about to graduate. So I always just had this like frugal mindset of, oh my God, being in the art major industry, like we're not going to make a lot of money. So any opportunity I could see, I just going to try to grab it so we can survive, you
0: know? But the beauty is you started a YouTube channel and that changed everything.
1: Literally YouTube. (laughs) I love and hate it at the same
0: time because there's, like, so many
1: blood, sweat, and tears because it's so much work. Like, unless you have a YouTube channel, you don't understand.
0: (laughs) How yeah. much work
1: and stress it is. But at the same time, it does open up a lot of opportunities to brand deals, to creators, to clients, to new friends even, and then also like income sources for sure. Because when the pandemic happened, I all my client shoots were canceled. And I don't even know what I would have done if I didn't start that YouTube channel or start Mm. that Instagram or start that TikTok. So it really honestly saved me because I could work from home and then shoot whatever I need to shoot and send it out to the clients.
0: Yes. So you have multiple channels. Do you have a strategy for content repurposing? Like you have a YouTube channel and then you break that down into one or two different Instagram reels and posts? So repurposing, that's like the hardest thing because
1: a part of me is just like, should I just stick to one platform and make my life easy and just concentrate and focus? Or do I like spread myself kind of thin and post on TikTok, Twitter? Like, I, don't, I can't even name them all. Instagram. There's Vero now. Yes. I don't know if you post on Vero. No. Oh my gosh, there's so many platforms because like everyone started social media and got popular. I'm thinking like, what about in 10 years when there's like a hundred platforms? Are we supposed to repurpose for all of these platforms? Because it's already getting out of hand, to be honest. I'm going to retire when that happens. <laughs> I hope I retire too, because I feel bad for everyone doing it that. Yeah, But I try my best. Currently, I'm focusing more on like TikTok vertical reels because, like, most of my clients, that's what they want. It's just like, how many small form content videos can be produced? But I try, like, with my videos at least, I try to, like, break them down in between topics and, like, make them into, like, short form content. Like, for example, I did a video on, like, the Leica M11, and I just posted, like, what I like about the Leica M11. It's just like one little section from that video, repurpose it, and post it to other places. But for the most part, I just produce content like for vertical. And then I feel bad because I'm like, this should have been a YouTube. Then I would have had multiple videos and it just gets so like out of hand because you're like, oh, I should have shot a behind the scenes. I should have shot a vlog for this. It would have been such a good YouTube. But then it's like, no, it's too many things to think about all at the same time. And then mm. thumbnails too. Yes. Oh my God. Yes, I know. It sounds exhausting because it
0: is. I'm kind of surprised. I thought maybe you would start with a YouTube channel and then from there take little clips from it and turn it into a short form video. But actually you start with short form video and then the YouTube video is sometimes there, sometimes not there. And when you do make it, it's completely separate.
1: Yeah, it's pretty
0: inconsistent. I haven't figured out a way to like make YouTubes
1: and TikToks all at the same time. And then my thought process is like, oh, should this be a YouTube or should this be a TikTok? Mm, Like I haven't really like separated the two and figured it out because it's just like so overwhelming to the point where I'm like, I'm going to just do all TikToks and make them short and easy, but it's not easy.
0: Yeah. You
1: think like 10 seconds
0: is going to be short, but it's not. Mm-mm. No, I do find that the way you film something long form versus something that you have to squeeze into 30 seconds is a completely different script and approach. Yes. And you cannot just take like a long form video and repurpose it and expect to have decent results. I would say the results also probably like below average. Yeah, because you're not thinking about yes it at the same time. There's no hook there's very little context. Just B-roll music. Yeah. And you add can't Rap wrap it up quickly. Yeah. And so you lose people's attention very quickly yeah. when you try to repurpose that way. Yeah. So then you do have to make the short form video content natively as well yes. in order to actually grow those channels.
1: Yes. So I was thinking like maybe unboxing is just like a TikTok real thing. And then If I do a review, then that's long form. If I do a vlog, that's long form because you can't really have a vlog with 10 seconds. You could do like B-roll clips and then music, which is cool. I've seen a lot of people doing that, but like I want to hear people's thoughts and feelings as they were going about their day or where they were. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's like hard to figure that all out.
0: I have noticed there's a little bit of a hiatus on your YouTube channel lately, and I also (laughs) saw that you have been through some tougher times recently. Yes, Is that sort of correlated with the frequency of your uploads, or is there a reason why the uploads have died down a bit? Is it just really hard to keep up?
1: Oh yeah, so as you've seen, I've been doing this for a long time, and I posted YouTubes, like, every week. And then when TikTok happened, we've been making, like, a shit ton. Can we swear on this? Yeah. (laughs) We've been making a shit ton of, like, mini-form content. And, you know, I was mentioning how, like, I don't have time for my personal projects. And that really takes a toll, especially if you're a creator or an artist. Like, you have this, like, urge to just express yourself, even if it's something little or silly or stupid. But, like, working for other people gets really exhausting and overwhelming and you tend to, like, lose yourself because you're, like, what do they want? What do they want? I got to do what they want. Or even your audience, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I know you love your audience. I love my audience. But, like, sometimes, like, always thinking about what they want gets a little hard and you don't really have time for yourself. So I was actually feeling burnt out for, like, quite some time. Like, it's been, like, two years, honestly, Mm -hmm. where I'm, like, just a little confused on what I should do. Should I quit YouTube? Should I quit social media? Like, sometimes I don't even want to do it at all. Like, it gets that hard. But then I'm, like, there's literally no other job I'd rather be doing (laughs) to at the same time. So you just, like, kind of have to pick your challenges and your problems. And this is, like, the challenge and problems that I want to face. And... Yeah, I was burnt out for a little bit, and I was actually going to take, like, a month-long break to just figure it out and reset, and then, like, the end of that month, it was in July, I found out that my dog Yumi was sick, so then we had to, like, bring her to a lot of vet visits and treatments, and she was just kind of, like, deteriorating more and more as the time went on, and it was, like, two months, and she was, like, gone, Mm. and she's been in, like, a lot of my videos. Like, people who've been watching me know she's, like, always a part of me, and, You know, she's, like, everything to me. So it felt like I lost a child. And it's been two months now since that happened. But it's been, like, really hard and sad and depressing. Like, I've been crying every day. I've been, like, feeling that life was meaningless. You know, like, you just have your perspective change when someone important to you, like, goes away. Yeah. So it's been, like, really hard to stay motivated because I was already burnt out at that point. And then, like, life things happen. So... I haven't really been motivated enough to, like, produce anything, to be honest. Like, even doing client work has been, like, really hard. If I even work for, like, one hour a day, I'm like, good job, Kitty. I'm so proud of you. But I'm trying to get through it. I'm feeling like the light is there and I can see it. It's not as dark as it was before, but there are moments where I'm just, like, so sad and depressed and, like, confused and, like, don't know what to do with myself. But, yeah, yeah, I just got to keep going and keep trying. And I'm hoping that I can, like, take these, like, bad times and, like, make it positive and do something creative with it and figure out how to, like, make it into a video or, like, even just paint. I'm building tables now, like, just random things with my hands to keep my mind distracted because yeah. so many bad thoughts happen, like, especially at nighttime. So I just, like, try to keep myself busy right now.
0: Mm, that must be so hard. And I haven't experienced ever losing a pet or even a person, but I, I mm. can't even imagine. And I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, But I I really feel like it's very hard for all creators to detach their creative work from their personal lives. So anything that happens in our personal lives, it reflects on our work or on anything that we put publicly. And we're always thinking about it. Like, how can I make this a video
1: or turn this into a video? Like, it's never like an off button either. Especially if you work from home in your studio and you're shooting at home, it's like always on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when you're thinking about this period of time, like, is there a way that you can separate your creative work versus like your personal life? I have found it very hard. There's no boundary for me. There's zero boundaries. Zero. <laughs> my work is my life, and yeah. I obsess over it every day, every do waking moment. people say that's unhealthy
1: to you? Like you work so too much? It's so unhealthy.
0: <laughs> um, actually, I I don't feel like I work too much, mm-hmm. but because I don't set boundaries with my relationship with, like, my account, my account is my identity, and it's very harmful because yes. the moment you don't see things going the way you want it to. What's wrong with me? Did I do something yeah, wrong? Then you're yes. like, wow, I suck. I'm a yes. shitty creator. Yes.
1: Oh, my God, you start losing followers. Like, what did I do wrong? There's something I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Have you had any kind of learning lessons through this this period where perhaps you can offer some other creators advice on how not to tie your identity so much to your work? Or is that something you're still working through? (sighs) Yeah, I'm, like, in the journey of process of
1: working that out. But I've been reading, like, some books since, like, I've been sad and depressed. But... (laughs) um, There was this random book I saw at the thrift store called, like, A Simpler Life or something, and I've been watching, like, more minimalist videos, too. Mm, Yes. Um, And they're talking about how, like, objects and things, like, aren't, like, who you are. Like, you shouldn't attach yourself to, like what people think of you or, like, the things that you buy. Like, this studio has is not me even though, like, I created it and decorated it and I feel like it's very on-brand. Yeah. But, like, if I lost the studio, like, I would still be me no matter yes. what. Like, I wouldn't be less yeah. worthy or anything like that. So it's really hard, especially because we're online. We have that validation of like the amount of followers and then you have brand deals that are like going to pay you more based on like you know the engagement you have and if you don't have enough engagement you feel like you're not going to get paid what you feel you're worth so you're always like comparing yourself to other people too because you see it nonstop, and it's just like really hard to detach like who the hell am I without social media without all this camera gear and stuff like yeah that is like a really hard question and I'm, I'm definitely dealing with that, like, every day. Like, who am I? If I didn't care about, like, anybody or if I just quit everything, what would I be doing, like, for free, by myself,
0: with no one watching? That's a great question, actually, to mm-hmm. start. Because uh, I was going through maybe something similar where I couldn't detach myself from my my identity was my work. Yeah. Or my work was my identity. But you're so proud of it, too. Like, I work so hard. Like, this is me, yeah, you know? It's almost like a masochist. like, how much more can I work? And does yeah. that mean I'm a better creator? It doesn't really. And one thing I did start doing, similar to what you said, was I started watching these, like, off-grid cabin Building oh, videos. videos, I, I watched I camping watched, yeah. videos. I watched camping videos, and I was all like, day. "Wow, this gives me peace." I was like, "If all of internet was removed, these people are still living this really interesting they're life." Fine. Yeah, yeah, and they're fine as humans. Mm-hmm. And I had to actually watch those regularly as a kind of like a therapy to be like, "Hey, if the, the internet <laughs> doesn't exist, I still exist yeah. as a person, exactly. <laughs> and that we still have value." On this earth. So, what would you be doing if there was no internet,
1: no social media? Oh you
0: no! Know? Well, I wanted to be like an illustrator, painter oh, at some point. That's cool. But I realized I don't have patience for for that, like oil it painting. Takes so long. I was like, this takes too long to wait for it to dry. <laughs> yeah. um, so probably similar to you, like working with my hands. Yes. I love making things and just working with my hands because that's where you can take. Nothing and turn it into something. And that's very exciting. Yeah. Do you think that's why like we're
1: video creators now? Because we always liked secretly to do stuff with our hands. Like, of course, we like set up cameras and stuff, but it's like creating something out of nothing. Like you just have this idea in your brain. And then even though it doesn't always come out the way you picture, most of the time it doesn't. Yes. But it's like you actually did it.
0: Yes. Which is like
1: something you're so proud of. I feel like that feeling is maybe more important than how many followers and how much money we get. Even though money is important, we need to survive, but it shouldn't
0: be like the focus priority thing. Yeah, totally. Oftentimes I think because as you see success in numbers, whether that's follower count or engagement or money like brand deals or other opportunities, Mm -hmm. it's very easy to then start focusing only on that.
1: Yeah, analytics. Oh God, they're the death of us.
0: And we stop creating because we enjoy it, but because like we have to keep up. Yeah, this video is
1: successful, so I got to make more of those too. Yeah,
0: and it's it's a very hard boundary to walk between because we do need to keep it up for the career to be viable, and the algorithms are not forgiving. They're oh, not gonna wait for us. I swear they hate me. They're gonna they're not gonna the be, algorithms be like
1: hate me. I'm like wow.
0: Yeah. They're not gonna be so like, hard. hey, you're going through some issues, we'll wait for you. They don't you can care. take a break. <laughs> algorithms don't care. You they just have care. to keep up with them. <laughs> yes. And so there's this balance between trying to keep that up mm. and but also trying to fulfill our creative needs and just understanding that we're still worthy even though we can't keep up yeah so that's a hard how do we do boundary. it do you have the answers i'm trying to I do not that. yet have the answer to that and i think that's the conundrum that all creators <laughs> have to deal with but and this is no not that comforting but what i realize, kind of mm-hmm. is just that we just have to push forward Keep going. I don't think there is a solution. And I always thought maybe if I could just start this other business right. and remove myself from that business, that's my solution. Then I can mm. stop creating as much. I stop showing up as much. But what I realized when I got into another business, for me it was I created courses yeah. and it became a big part of my business, but I couldn't remove myself from it. Mm. And there was no like light at the end of the tunnel either. And at every stage, as I keep trying to grow different things, I realize there is no, there's no end to something. You don't get to a point and then you get to be like, okay, now I'm done. Yeah. Like now, now (laughs) I can be happy. There's no destination. It's just, you just continue to push things out, create and evolve as a person and and creator, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, be a better person. Are you enjoying the full-time Influencer Podcast so far? If so, then we'd love for you to share this episode with someone who will benefit from it or share this episode to your Instagram stories. Our mission is to help aspiring creators around the world and with your help, we get one step closer with every share. Thank you so much. And now, back to the show.
1: That's true. There's something else. My God, I forgot where I heard it. But they're talking about like you know like while you're doing something that's where you're supposed to get like all the happy endorphins like while you're in the process of doing things it's not like oh when it's done then you're happy even though you are happy because like oh my god I made that thing Yeah. but you're just supposed to enjoy the whole thing and like that should be the bulk of our life so like when I'm doing stuff that I don't like doing like editing or doing I don't know script writing like the less glamorous part of the job I'm like I love it I love it I just keep saying in my head I love it I love it and then you start to believe it and it gets easier after some time
0: that's a great tip yeah so that's kind of like when you change your mindset from I have to do this to I get to do this I have
1: to do that again
0: done yeah Yeah. and and then with that switch it makes it a lot more enjoyable Mm -hmm. right yes yes that that's a great one too um i I have found that if i set up tasks for myself but then at the end of it i'm like after this i get to eat hot pot or after this i get to (laughs) watch this movie like that's a way for me to get the the things that i don't like to do done so Ah. that it's it's less of a uh, there's an end goal. There's like a, once I finish this, I can reward this. I can get this I That's get what this the reward. YouTube was
1: about. It was like, because we give ourselves reward after we do something. But then we're training ourselves to not like that thing. So the thing should be the reward. Oh, God, I, I okay. wish, I, I'll try to look for that video, but it was really.
0: That's that's very interesting. So I like, never thought about it like that. Because I'm yeah. always like, what's
1: my reward? What's my
0: reward after everything? Ooh, interesting. Okay. I like that, that mm-hmm. shift. I should mm-hmm. probably think about it in that way where the process is the reward yeah because we are also another problem is because a lot of these other small other short form platforms allow very immediate success Mm -hmm. we expect to see results Right away. right away. Whereas that's not the case with YouTube. Like, you know very well that it's a long grind it's and so that long. <laughs> you work so much upfront. That's and, right. Like, how
1: many years have I been doing? I'm like, I don't know, too long. Yeah. Like,
0: 50 years. <laughs> yeah. And, and does that really hurt? Does it really like, affect you when you put a lot of effort into this upfront, but then you don't see? immediate results? Oh my God, of course. Because I know the gear reviews,
1: especially gear that comes out like right away and you post a video about it right away. I know like hands down that's going to do well every single time. But then when I want to talk about creativity or your inner child or like your shadows and I post it and it gets like nothing. Because there's no SEO behind it. Yeah. Like The only people that are going to find it are probably the ones that are already following me. Yes. But it's very unlikely. And then I'm just like, oh man, I shouldn't make these videos anymore, even though they're so important to me. I'm always thinking about external factors. And I hate that. I hate mm-hmm. that I have to think about those things. I wish I could just be like, I know this isn't going to get a lot of views and that's okay. Because I yes. love making this. And it was a really important story to tell. And just leave it at that. Like, how can we just block it off that'd be nice
0: well actually I noticed that you did start something called fan house it was a, <laughs> oh my god you're for, it, the can house. I bring that up <laughs> you can if you want okay because yes. I actually don't know what that website is uh-huh I assume it's kind of like a patreon but I mean, mixed with OnlyFans. Yes.
1: okay <laughs> I was like oh gosh you found that fan house well yes. it, yeah so
0: I noticed that and it seems like it's more of a creative outlet for you yeah, so it's funny because YouTube
1: was my creative outlet for my client work, but now I'm realizing I need a creative outlet for my creative outlet. Isn't because that creative, ironic? Yeah, your hobby turns into, like, this job. Like, there's this wall that you eventually pass where you're like, wow, this is work now. And then, like, all the fun gets sucked out from it. Or it's just a mindset thing where we're just like, oh, my God, I'm doing things I don't want to do anymore, so I need another thing to, like, fulfill that. But, yeah, FanHouse is now my creative outlet for my YouTube – And it's been fun. It's only been, like, a couple months. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I could just express, like, a different part of me that's, like, dark and edgy and, like, I don't know, different. I could be more candid on there because I know, like, the people on there are already people who support me. It's not like I'm posting to social media where, like, it's viewed by every single stranger and person who could, like, troll and talk shit. So I feel like I can
0: be, like, more open on that platform, too. Well, I love that idea as an outlet for you yeah. where if your main social channels become a job, then that private place can be your outlet because yeah. you also know those are the most supportive people yeah. and they also put money into it because yeah. there's a little little fee to get in. Yeah, like so subscription. Then, yeah, so you know it's like the, the best of your fan base. So that's a great way to get creative outlet if anyone else is sort of going through the same issue. Yeah, and the CEO is actually an Asian female, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, Okay. Can you tell us a bit about Fan House, actually? I literally know nothing about it. Yeah, so
1: Fan House is, like you said, it's like half Patreon, half OnlyFans. You can't post any nudes or any pornography Mm. like that. Like, anything you could post on Instagram, you could pretty much post on Fan House. And they only take 10%, too. So they're still, like, a new company, um, but they're more towards, like, creators because the CEO is actually, like, a creator herself. She's a Twitch streamer. Mm -hmm. She's really hilarious. She posts a lot of, like, posts and memes on her Twitter account. Yeah. But, yeah, I, like, love her energy because she's just so, like, out there. I should send you her Twitter, but it's really funny. Um, Okay. Yeah, I just love her vibe, and I always love supporting, like, Asian-owned businesses, too. Yes. So I feel like it's really cool and, like, very on-brand for me to, like, join But Yeah, Yeah, I like that idea. And you can make money, too, just, like, being yourself and, like, trying new things. And, yeah, you get a lot of instant feedback there. And it just feels Mm. like, oh, I have this, like, edgy side of me that no one knows about, you know? Like, it's not OnlyFans because you don't have that stigma attached to it. But, like, I could be, like, wholesome selfies or talk about how sad I am or, Mm. like, have some, like, sexy thirst traps. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, like, a mixture of a lot of things in there, so...
0: Okay, yeah, okay, question. Yes. Are they mostly male or female or a mix of both? They're probably
1: male. I feel like a lot of my platforms are very male-heavy. It has been transitioning slowly into more females, though, that I've noticed. Um, but, yeah, it's very male-heavy on
0: my demographics. Mm-hmm. Do you think the transition is because some of your content has shifted or maybe just more women are interested in becoming creators and understanding Yeah, gear. I think – I feel like I get
1: this question a lot because in the filmmaking space and also the business entrepreneurial space, there's not a lot of females that do this. Like there are photographers and there are social media people that are female, but like filmmaking in general, there's not a lot of girls. Like even in my school, it was very male heavy. Um, Growing up, like all the hobbies I picked were very like male heavy too. Like I joke like, oh, I'm Actually a boy probably because like I like basketball and I like dressing a certain way that's like male clothes only, even though clothes don't really have a gender. And a lot of my friends were also a lot of dudes. So I just been always surrounded by dudes and I feel like maybe I'm just more comfortable in that realm. But yeah, I think there's more females now because they're seeing more females doing it too. Like in the beginning, like I said, I remember there was only like one girl doing camera gear reviews. And then maybe I joined, and then like Lizzie joined, and then there was like all these other females doing videos. So that kind of motivated other females to try and join, maybe upgrade from photography and try more video. And also, social media is very like video focused now. So they kind of like have to try to learn. Yes. So I think that's why the transition's happening. I don't know if I really made a change in my content. Mm-hmm. I know Brian suggested, like, oh, you should do more like female type of content but i'm like i don't even know what that means like i just really post videos about whatever i want so to me i feel like if anyone's inspired or motivated by my content whether you're like male or female like that's totally fine if you're just human that's cool i don't really like try to do like a certain group i just kind of like be myself and whoever's like attracted to that i guess is fine
0: for mm. me Mm-mm. I was Um. I, I think I was drawn to your channel because you were more of a, like a female gear reviewer mm-hmm. and I wonder if you face this as well but I don't market myself as someone who understands gear but I have a pretty good understanding of everything and how to operate it all and yeah. like how to take photos how to take videos and all that but you definitely do people always <laughs> assume I'm yeah. just like a brainless Barbie because the way I dress oh yeah
1: there's certain comments like let's not lie yeah if you're a female creator you get like you know the sexist comments here and there I feel like they're not as bad as I like I know other people get it worse than me maybe but I feel like mine are very rare and when it happens I'm just like whatever I don't really care but yeah they just sometimes it's mean. no yeah
0: yeah I think it's because you showcase like you know, your skill set already on the videos, and you know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm surprised you still get mean comments. Does that oh, well, YouTube's probably the often? worst? Oh, really? Yes.
1: Yeah, so you're <laughs> starting YouTube. I'm just warning. Like YouTube, I feel like is the most opinionated group of people, oh, no. which is hard because like you really want YouTube to work, but like people just always want to say something crazy. I feel like Instagram is the best community support yes, wise.
0: I agree. Um, TikTok's hit or
1: miss. Yes. You know, you don't know.
0: Kind Depends on which part of TikTok you go, your yes. video gets pushed
1: to. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, your video goes anywhere depending on what video. But Do you yeah.
0: have a way to filter the comments?
1: I know there's a way with like words and stuff. Like if it gets really bad, I just block them.
0: Mm, I but
1: see. I feel like the most common things they probably say are like they think someone's buying me the gear.
0: Oh, Like, okay. oh, my
1: husband's rich or something like yeah. that. And I'm like... Actually, I just work hard I <laughs> that way, and yeah, work with clients yeah. and stuff. But yeah, they they're like assuming that a guy is paying for all my stuff.
0: Too. Yeah,
1: or like, well, they say like certain things, like you should smile more, like talk about the way I look or the way I sound. Oh my god, people commented on my swearing a lot in the beginning because I used to swear a lot. I kind of toned it down. I feel bad now, but feel like they they kind of got to me but they're like that's not ladylike you swear wow, all the really time interesting They're like what would your mom think and I'm like you don't know my mom my mom <laughs> swears like 10 times more than me that's probably where I got it from wow. but yeah they always have like something to say you know does that ever affect you depends on the day most of the time no but when you're like having an off day and you read something terrible it's just like oh, I want to quit like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Even though it's, like, one person, it's literally, like, 0.0001% of these type of people. But most of, most of the time, it's very supportive and encouraging and motivating. And I feel like I need to just remember those times where, like, they DM me and talk about, like, a story they, they personally have and how I, like, somehow made them feel better. And it wasn't about the gear or, like, anything like that. It was, like, I somehow entertained them for a little bit and they got through it or you know they were having a hard time like yesterday I was talking to one of my audience members one of my AFAMs I call them AFAM yeah I noticed (laughs) my little fandom I was talking to one AFAM and he said that he was he went through a divorce and he kind of lost himself and he really wanted to do photography and video and I kind of helped him like you know want to move towards that uh hobby again. And I was like, wow, that's crazy because he took like a dark time and made it positive. And I'm like, maybe that's what I meant to do. I don't know. Does it not just make your day? Oh, it all worth it. I actually printed, I don't know if you've seen the 26 words video, but it was a time where everyone was posting like troll comments on Twitter Mm. and it was getting really exhausting. And I'm like, why are we giving these like attention on twitter like they obviously want attention you're just screenshotting blasting it, and talking shit like that's not the type of energy i want to create i want to create like positive energy even if they're a troll like i try to say something nice like thanks for watching or i'll just ignore it or something like that but like i took all these like nice comments and i printed them i cut them out and i like stuck them on my hallway wall and it's kind of like my my wall of afam fame or something so then when i feel down or depressed i just like reread those comments 'Cause you read the comments and it's like so that. fast, you know? Like you go through your videos, you're like, Oh, that's nice, that's nice, but then you forget about it. Do like yes. you feel like actually print it and put it on your wall and see it like every day when I walk down my hall? It's like, this is why I'm doing it.
0: So you were talking earlier about the different platforms. Out of yes. YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, which one is your favorite? And then which one has brought you the most to return? Mm, What type of return? Uh, Monies. 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 (laughs) Let's start
1: with monies. (laughs) Monies. The most return. Well, lately, it's actually been Instagram. Mm. Instagram, TikTok.
0: Okay.
1: I think just because it's like a newer platform and businesses are trying to get on there. So they're kind of like throwing money to make TikTok content. But yeah, that has been like the bulk of my monies lately. I saw that transition from, like, YouTube to TikTok maybe, like, a year and a half ago. In terms of
0: demand for brand deals? Yeah, brand
1: deals. They're always, Mm. like, TikToks, TikToks, TikToks. Okay. Which is crazy. Yeah. And then in terms of what my favorite is, ooh, that's a hard one. I change every day, (laughs) to be honest. I feel like YouTube was my favorite for a while, and then I started to hate on Instagram because I was losing followers, but it has nothing to do with Instagram or Mm. anybody or my content. I know my content's good. Mm. It's just like seeing the analytics and seeing it drop for whatever reason, I don't know what's going on. I even wrote to them. I'm like, is shadow Shadow banning a real thing? Because I don't know what's happening. It's been dropping for like a year. So that's been driving me crazy, but I just let that go at this point. So, and then TikTok happened. So I was having a lot of fun in TikTok because, like, you could just scroll through stuff really fast. You could save things and certain tips, like, really quickly. So I I think it depends. Mm. I feel like creating would probably be more TikTok because it's so fast and easy and I don't have to worry about description, thumbnail, (laughs) titles, SEO, and all that stuff attached to YouTube. But I think YouTube's still, like, my number one. Like, I watch it all the time. Like when I'm just chilling, I need to research something. It's always been like YouTube when I want to learn things and also watch all my camping videos and like yes. relax. Yeah, it's always YouTube's.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it. My my favorite is still Instagram.
1: Of course, you're the Instagram because queen.
0: Because that's my main one. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I get the most of my return, and so yeah, for now. That's the case, but who knows what it's going to be in the future.
1: Do you have a subscription? Did you sign up for that whole subscription service? No, so
0: did you know that if you do a subscription on Instagram, you have to pay, like if you have an iPhone, you put it on the App Store, you have to pay the App Store 30%. Oh yeah, FanHouse says that too. Yeah, That Apple crazy.
1: takes 30% of everything.
0: Yes. Which is nuts. So that's why I don't, I will never do an Instagram subscription.
1: So cause. they take
0: 30% after the $5? Yeah, yeah of your whatever subscription you have on Instagram because Instagram is an app that exists on their store. Oh my God, store. they're crazy, 30%. yeah. percent But I don't have a membership or a subscription. Mm-hmm. I actually tried to do Patreon before. During it's overwhelming, pandemic, you know? So All the tears
1: and like, it feels very professional. But yeah. like Fan House is more like social media, which is... Like oh, okay. more casual. So that's why I like that platform. It felt like it spoke a lot to me and yeah. how I, like, want to post and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. So do you not
0: feel like you have pressure to keep up on that? Or it's more...
1: Uh, oh, I do, too. I already knew when I signed up for FanHouse. I was like, this is going to be, like, another full-time job. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. But I tried it anyway. And, yeah, because these people are paying to see you and to hear from you. So you definitely have that like i guess pressure to like post on there but it should be like fun like i don't want i'm scared that fan house will turn into like another job cuz you know what does. i'm that's like my fear now is taking creative outlet and making it a job Yes. But you have that always, like, in your mind, like, oh, this new, fun, exciting thing could be, like, my main source of income. Like, I'm building furniture, and I'm like, what if I sold furniture? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's just keep it a
0: hobby. Yes, yes. I think maybe we need to separate, like, these parts will never become a job to me. You have to just So that it remains something that is fun. (laughs) Yes. And then you don't have to worry about, like,
1: everything that comes with
0: making money. Yes. Yes. But... Like you mentioned, this is still something that you would never trade for any other job, right? Oh, no. I look at, there was a time when I was having
1: my July break where I was, like, researching other people on YouTube. Like, what is their job? What does that entail? What do they have to do? And I'm like, wow, their jobs are so much harder than mine. Even though this is hard, it's a different type of hard. Mm. And I'm like, I couldn't even imagine doing something else. Yeah. I still thinking about. I was like, maybe I could do this or do this, or maybe I could apply and do a normal job. But then I'm working for someone else. Yeah. Ew. (laughs) Ew. Can't do it and like apply for PTO and benefits. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I I think it's very easy for us to be in it and feel like there's a lot of negative things about it. But then, if we just look at some other alternatives and other people's jobs, we become very very grateful. Actually, on that note, do you think that, do you remember the drama with Michaela and how she said her job is was difficult and then it got dug out by TikTokers, a video she made two years ago oh, saying wow. it's 5.23 or something and that she's very tired and that you should try being an influencer for one day. That is very hard. Um, and it caused a lot of drama because people were very Why upset. Why is it so hard,
1: right? Yeah, people were There's very upset
0: that she said her job was hard and mm-hmm. they were trying to say like this is harder this other career is harder but have you heard about that no but I could totally relate like I always feel bad like complaining
1: about this job especially like in front of people who have like no idea what it's like but it just makes me kind of feel like ungrateful, even though like l- when you look around from the outside, it looks really nice and luxurious and like, yes. oh, my God, you're making this type of money or you could just like take a day off whenever you want to. Like that's what my other friends who have like full time jobs say. And I'm like, you know what, That you're right. To an extent, like, it does put me into perspective. But at the same time, like, when I talk to my creator friends, like, we have the same mindset of, like, this is exhausting. It is hard. It's stressful. You can't tune yourself out from work-life balance and it's just like I feel like you wouldn't understand really unless you were in it. So yes. it's kind of hard to explain it to other people who actually like don't understand. Yeah. but yeah, every job is hard in its own way. Like there's no easy job. That's why yes. it's called work, yes. right? Exactly.
0: Yes, and by no means am I saying that what we do is hard, especially physically. I don't feel like it's physically hard well, it's not at manual all. Manual labor. Yeah, but the mental part is the part that I think most people struggle with. And I have never met a creator who doesn't struggle mentally. And if you ask... messing us up for real. And if you ask anybody, everyone's like, my mental health has never suffered this much in my entire life until I had social media. Yeah. And I still haven't fully figured out why exactly that is. But I think it has to do with like how we perceive our... how we perceive our self-worth and value relative to what we see on the platforms. And
1: you can't take a break. Like you said, the algorithm keeps going. So like stuff will happen in our lives and we're like, we just want to take a break. But then at the same time, we're so used to working in this field. We're like, no, I got to make a video. I got to put something out. Like, what do I do? Like, I can't just stop. It feels like sometimes like a prison, you know. Do you think there's a solution to that? So uh, to just not care and just come back when you feel like it. I don't know. There's no other way. Unless you like... Batch shoot a bunch of stuff and then slowly, like, release it. But it's hard to plan for, like, certain life events where you, like, can't even be there and you have to take a break because your mental health is that bad. But I think you could, like, do preventative work. So before this whole, like, break thing, I was actually taking... I realized, like, every two months I wanted to take, like, a two-week break Mm. to do whatever I Mm. wanted without, like, any guilt or anything. And then I could plan for it, too, so I would, like, batch shoot and make sure that I had enough content for those two weeks. And that was going pretty good until, like, you know, overwhelming client work. And then it's, like, I couldn't take that two weeks again. And I should have, like, set boundaries, of course. Like, that's the most important part is setting boundaries. But, yeah, I felt like that was... That was pretty healthy for me for a while. You don't have to wait till that point where you're like, oh my God, I'm so stressed and burnt out. Like I just need to like quit everything.
0: Yeah, I like that idea. Actually, that could really work out. Another idea that other people have brought up specifically Colin and Samir is this idea of seasons where you could premiere a season of of YouTube videos or of of reels or TikToks. And then after you finish... Posting all of those, you take a break. You take yeah, like, a like one or two TV month break. like TV series. Like TV series. Yeah. I have yet to really see any creators make that work, but maybe in the future it could work out. I think Dan Mace does it because I've
1: seen his like oh. season one, season two, like creator vlogs. And I think he has like 10 videos or something. I'm, I'm probably wrong, but... I've never tried that. Mm. But you have to really plan. Like yes. that is like a big chunk of pre-production where you're like I'm going to make this season about this topic yeah. and here's how many videos and here's what I'm going to talk about. Yeah, I yeah. feel like I just want to like create whatever is going on and inspiring me at the time.
0: Yeah. I do think that is something that only larger creators have the privilege to play around with mm-hmm. because when they are so sure of their income streams like the brand deals or their own products, yeah. they can control which seasons they will make the bulk of the money and then when they're going to take it off or if they have passive revenue streams mm-hmm. then they can take it off without the guilt without the fear yes. and uncertainty you don't have to experiment anymore too because yeah. you already
1: know like what people like or what you like yes. to do too.
0: and then you already have like a strong enough fan base where you know like when you come back with something awesome they're gonna still be really excited about it and be there and and watch you so maybe that's we're gonna try it yeah <laughs> Maybe that's something in the future. <laughs> Our next podcast will be like, yes, the season <laughs> season
1: series worked. We're all yeah. better
0: now. <laughs> yes, we'll see. We'll see. I'm hoping that the platforms themselves can introduce this type of function mm-hmm. where they can help creators take a pause. Because it's never healthy. It's never a good good thing for platforms to have all these creators burn out although there will always be new creators and they'll never have a shortage
1: i don't know if they honestly care
0: yeah that's a good question
1: (laughs) because there's always gonna be more people
0: yes that's true (sighs) perhaps not but (laughs) we'll see if that seasonality (laughs) idea works out yes and before we kind of wrap it up can i just ask a few more questions about like brand deals and how you go about them Yes. So are you mentioned that in the beginning, most of your brand deals were on YouTube. Yes. And then now they have shifted more to Instagram and TikTok. Mm-hmm. And even though YouTube has more of a following, that kind of surprised me because I always thought that maybe brand deals are more effective on YouTube. Because you, you could it put links be, yeah. in the description. And it's more evergreen. Yes. Have you found that it's more effective in any one platform in terms of how many people you can get through to the brand's page. It's weird because, yes, like I have more
1: subscribers on YouTube, but the views are actually more on like Instagram, Mm. which is weird. So I guess it depends what they want. Obviously, they want to see eyeballs, right? Right. And then on Instagram, you could put like a story link and link directly to whatever product it is. So I think that's also why. And I feel like because companies are trying to grow their TikTok presence and Mm. make their reels, they want content for that, too. So I don't always post like just on my channels. I'll make videos for them to post on their channels, too.
0: And so then for your deals, like on TikTok or maybe on Instagram, they also get certain usage rights to your content.
1: Oh, yeah, it depends
0: yeah depends mm-hmm. on the deal itself depends on the deal if my face is in it or
1: something like that but yes oh, always charge more for usage rights especially if your face, face is on it yes so you charge have, for your face don't yeah. forget and how long don't give them like infinite usage because that's just bad
0: yes, <laughs> bad yes. idea
1: i've like actually done that one time they were using my face for everything wow. and then my friends and my mom are like are you getting paid for all this and i'm like I actually did this for free. I didn't even get paid. I got paid in products, which is fine because I really love the company. That's another thing. Like, are you going to give up money because you want to work with this company and give yourself an opportunity? Yeah. Um, yeah, every deal is different, Yes, for yes. sure. You can't be like, oh, how do you work your brand deals? Like, this is my package, and then I just send it out, and they pick one. Like, it never is like that, because everyone wants a certain amount of videos, how long they're going to use it, where they're going to use it, et cetera.
0: Mm. That's yeah. a great point. So you don't have, like, a set rate for anything. You negotiate each deal as they come in? Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Brian works all my brand
1: deals, thank mm. God, because all the business stuff, like, I don't really want to deal with yeah. it. Like, I don't even want to check emails, to be honest. Yeah. But he's in sales, so he, like, knows how to negotiate with with people and, like, compromise where both parties are happy Mm -hmm. because their party is trying to, like, get you for as cheap as possible and make you do as much as you can. But you also, like, can't just take it. You have to negotiate, like, set a higher price and then work in between and then find a middle ground too where, like, both people are happy. But I feel like they price themselves really low knowing that maybe they can get you to say yes or they know you're going to negotiate up a little bit. So we're all like, it's kind of like a little mind game when you play these like brand deal games, but... Yeah, the
0: goal is to get both people happy. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, we just have to remember that they're just doing their job. They're not necessarily trying to devalue you or um, try to really be cheap, but they're just trying to do their job to get as much exposure with as little cost as possible. Yeah,
1: because they're business. They need
0: to, like, work their budgets
1: in, and they probably only have a certain budget, so they're not trying to do it on purpose and just throw you, like, here's 100 bucks. Like Even though it's like, what? (laughs) It feels bad, but then you just be like, sorry. I can't do that and hopefully you find someone else to do that you you gotta accept that you have to say no to certain people and there are a lot of bad clients too so you have to like kind of find these red flags especially if they're last minute clients like beware of those also because there's a reason that they're like
0: oh can you come to the shoot tomorrow it's like what really happened I've had so many times
1: where that's happened where I'm like I'm not doing last minute shoots no more
0: yeah yeah you mentioned something really interesting just a bit ago was that you charge different rates for videos depending on whether you're in it mm-hmm. and that's because your likeness has value yeah there's a lot of work I gotta put my makeup yes, on do my yes. hair <laughs> so yeah. that's something that's very important for beginners if you're oh, yeah. wondering what to charge if your face is in it versus if it's not in it the rates should should absolutely be different because you are giving your likeness to that video as well. And there's yes. a lot of value in that. And the more followers you have, the more valuable your likeness is. Or I should say, the more influence you have, the more valuable your likeness is. Yeah, it's like celebrities that you see in a billboard,
1: like just advertising a thing. You're probably going to be like, I want to buy this thing if you're yeah. a big fan of this person. It just is what it is versus like someone whoever you know yeah
0: yeah have you had a a very bad brand deal experience before
1: very bad brand deal let me think it's mostly been like outside clients Mm. like for their own videos but like brand deal clients I just feel like None of them too bad. Like, everyone's paid. Some people have been, like, harder to, like, receive money from. So, obviously, get a deposit if you can, especially if they're a new client that you're Mm -hmm. working with. But if someone, like, you've worked with for a while, it's kind of okay. Yeah. But, yeah, most of the time, they just, like, request a lot of, like, edit notes. Like, Mm -hmm. those ones are kind of annoying, even though, like, it is their video. They're paying you, but... You know, like everything should be talked about before, like pre-production. Yes. You should have a meeting and creative and they should know what you're doing. So then when you get to the editing process, they're not like, hey, can you add this clip that you never shot? Or yeah. like change the um, voiceover, change a bunch of things. And then it's like a nightmare at that point.
0: Yes, yes, totally. Yeah. So I I had a brand deal where I was in London and I was about to leave the next day and I had to go back the next morning before our flight to reshoot it because... Oh no. Yeah, because even though they pre-approved the script screen- they wanted to change a certain delivery and i was like okay
1: let That's me do worst. my makeup and go at 6am <laughs> like, it's almost done you know yes, yes.
0: so oh, no. be aware make sure to always communicate it beforehand so you can avoid these kinds and of situations get approval and written yes yes like email okay i approve of this yes yes what i've noticed is that YouTubers always say, wow, I would pay, I would charge a lot less for Instagram for whatever because it's such low effort. But all the Instagrammers are looking at, let's say YouTubers and be like, wow, I bet they make a lot. It's always like- <laughs> That's interesting. The grass is greener
1: on the other side. No, I feel like Instagrammers make way more than YouTubers. That's for sure. I
0: guess it depends though, the industry too. Singing is a very lucrative career, especially yes. Instagram. And now more so TikTok, I'd say. hmm But um, I feel like the dollar amount on TikTok still is a bit lower um, unless they have a lot of usage involved in that and Mm -hmm. you happen to get a good client. I don't know. Do you think that's true? It depends. Or do you bundle it
1: together usually? Yeah, so it depends. I feel like with my brand deals, they're kind of like separate payment versus like my client shoots because my clients are like consistent, you know, so I feel like if they're, like, one-off projects, obviously, they're going to be more expensive than, like, oh, if you work with someone and you want to do 10 videos with them, obviously, you got to lower the price for each video.
0: Yeah.
1: But, yeah. But yeah. you have that consistency behind it. Like, every month, I'm going to make this amount of money, and I don't have to worry about rent or food or anything else. Yeah, And then yes. you kind of, like, input, like, how many other brand deals you want to add to that income. And then you kind of have, like, a base of, like, how much I want to make every mm. month and grow based on, like, your expenses, too, obviously. But, yeah. Yeah
0: yeah they're all different mm-hmm. every brand
1: deal is different client work's different
0: yes that's super interesting mm-hmm. do you like consulting or like coaching um, so you have online courses yeah so i started online courses two years ago to sort of afford beginners to do the a to z of how to grow yeah. and then create content and then monetize it <clears throat> excuse me and i haven't thought of the next step yet and i don't offer coaching mm-hmm. because I feel like it's easier to go with volume with my follower account even if they paid you a lot like per hour yeah I, I still say like no. no it's too much work yeah because if imagine if I charge you like two thousand dollars an hour mm-hmm. for like an account audit do I feel like I can provide that value in that one hour I feel like that's a lot of pressure so you rather me. like
1: record it and share it with more
0: people yeah 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 so that's that's how it's, it's more worth going. your time too. It is very worth my time <laughs> and it's more passive when you can set up funnels so then yes. I can travel places and then money is still coming in even though it's like a digital product but yes. that's when I say like the grass is greener on the other side yeah. it's not as easy and it's not as passive. Because you gotta passive. promote it
1: too. Yeah
0: yes. as people think. And it was so.
1: so was it hard for you to film your online course? It was hard. There's so many videos. It was hard. Yeah. yeah. And then you can't even post it until like it's all done.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you get, awesome. you really break down by the end of it. Like two months of filming <laughs> and you're just through. like, this is too much. <laughs> How
1: long did it take you?
0: It took at least two to three months to film yeah, it all. Because there's a hundred plus videos. Oh so. my God. Yeah. And I like to make them like really informative. So yeah, they're 10 they're to paying. 30 minutes. Sometimes they're 40 minutes
1: videos yeah 30 minute
0: videos yeah so wow so sometimes people feel overwhelmed when they log in and like oh I gotta learn all this stuff you don't gotta watch it all
1: yeah time. but yeah that's that's crazy I did like a film course and it was just 12 videos and it took me like a year because I'm trying to do it like in between everything else and oh, I have no yeah. idea how yeah. much work yeah. making an online course is it's like insane yes so then when people ask for online courses now i'm like i'm gonna charge a lot (laughs) so if you want me then
0: like you have to pay that much because yeah that's insane the best way to do it is to remove your head from the video god you're just talking then that's a lot easier i insisted i had to have my head and it had to be camera quality but then you got to make more b-roll yeah i actually don't have even have b-roll on any of my courses it's just slides and I put the videos and the photos within the slides itself to Mm -hmm. demonstrate but what I did find was that it was extremely difficult to talk with the head and when you make a mistake you have to start the entire sentence whereas with just a slide you just have to start from that word and so it's a lot easier to edit and it cuts your time in half your filming time editing time in more than half
1: yeah yeah
0: so that's how I do it now
1: but start some digital products yes passive
0: income it's important it's just a lot of work yes yes do you still get traffic to your that course that you did a while
1: ago I think so it's on MZ it's about starting a YouTube channel ah,
0: amazing
1: and I was like only one of the only females on there so I was kind of proud because wow. everything else was like cinematography lighting there's photographers on there too but I don't know I was like why do they want to pick me that's always my thought because when anyone hires me because you have a unique me. brand Because, like, part of me is, like, are they just hiring me because I'm a female and I'm, like, different, you know, to add that diversity factor? Or are they, like, hiring me because they actually, like, like my work? I have this debate in my head all the time.
0: Oh, I'm sure they love your work, too. I hope so. (laughs) Yes, yes. But I do think diversity hire is a thing. Should we just, just like, take advantage of it? (laughs) Yes, I take advantage. I'm happy about it. Yo, Chinese New Year, hit me up. (laughs) Full moon, yeah, I celebrate that stuff. (laughs) Yeah, start the emails. (laughs) Yes. So from here, looking into the future, do you have some future plans coming up? Do you have a five-year game plan, or you're just sort of taking it (laughs) a month at a time? Sure. Um, I think I've always wanted to buy a warehouse.
1: (laughs) Okay. I've been talking about it more and more lately. Um, I also want to buy a camper van and like live in a van. I love that. But mm, that's like hard. I have so much stuff. So right now I'm actually trying to consolidate my studio space and my apartment and try to live in an ADU mm. and see if I can manage that and maybe live in a camper van. I don't know. Wow. Or like at least go on trips and get like a Honda Element. Yeah, yeah. But I really want to buy a warehouse. And then my goal was to have like different artist offices so that people who want to do like illustration or their editors or maybe they have, like, a little YouTube channel and just need, like, a little extra space. Like, it'd have a bunch of, like, really cool aesthetic offices mm-hmm. in there. And then maybe it'd have, like, a big studio that people could shoot in. Like, remember YouTube studios? Yes. Where you could just rent it for free yeah. and They had, like, all the gear. And then it disappeared. Yeah. Which is so sad. I was like, that is such a nice resource for people to have. And then, like, I want to have, like, events there where all the artists could like, get together and it'd be, like, cool and collaborative and maybe there's like an outdoor garden so people could go outside and like take a break and chill like have a little coffee shop I don't know I love that idea it'd be like really expensive obviously I need like millions of dollars first but I don't know that's like a far-off goal that I think would be really fun to have okay like yeah and just promoting like I'm half Filipino, so I want to somehow incorporate that more into my videos and stuff like that. Because I see a lot more Filipinos are being more mainstream, which is yeah. really exciting to me. Because a lot of people don't even know who we are or yeah. where our country is or any like our food. Really? But yeah, there's like Brenton Rock now Bella Port, yes. and Porch yeah, Joe Coy, and I'm just like watching all these people like grow, and it's making me really exciting. So I don't know. I guess like talk about my background more. Get a warehouse one day. And, like, try to simplify life and just be happy. Yes. Simple things. It's not like I want to make billions of dollars and reach, like, a million followers. I do want a play button, though. That is, like, over my head for, like, since I started YouTube. Because, like, all my friends have gotten their play buttons already. And I'm, like, the very last one. I'm, like, the run of the group. So is that the near-term <laughs> goal? I hope I'm at like 77K and I've been stuck there for like two years now, but it's also my fault because I haven't been doing what the algorithm wants me Mm -hmm. to do and I'm not posting as much as it wants me to. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's also my effort and mindset, but maybe eventually I'm like, I can't stop because I'm like right there, you know? Yeah, Yeah. So, Yeah hopefully play button sometime soon maybe in the next 10 years but we'll get there
0: definitely I'm sure you will just I'll slowly. be celebrating for you when you get there
1: I'll text you be like I finally did it and it's like 2028 yeah.
0: <laughs> no, you'll I've, probably get it before me no no, way. no no, no, no way. you definitely will I'm ready for the for the slow grind the yeah. slow grind there's a lot of fear going into YouTube I just I felt like I maybe do couldn't do... Because before I only did photos. And then when short form video came along, I was like, gosh, I can't do videos. Like You're amazing. Um, <laughs> Thank you. No, actually, in the beginning, it was just very hard. I had no idea how to do it right. But then just a lot of observing, learning and practicing then it got better and so now I feel like after two years of doing short form video I'm finally like okay I'm ready to try and tackle long form video. Yeah. Perhaps this is the year and there's still a lot of imposter syndrome and there's always like looking at other people like well they're YouTubers or like professional and I'm just like an Instagrammer. People don't even say Instagrammers are like a people don't even call them creators. Like when Colin and Smith breaks down like influencers. Yeah. They don't even call Instagrammers influencers. They're just like there's YouTubers, there's TikTokers. That's it. <laughs> and I'm
1: like, hey, ah, here we are here. You guys were the first too before like
0: YouTube and yeah, TikTok. Yeah, I guess in terms of influencing, yeah, or, and or posting deals. consistently,
1: it was Instagram.
0: Yeah, so YouTube is my next step, and hopefully, it will work out well.
1: I want to see how far you grow. Like, watch two years from now. Can you imagine? Mm-mm. Haven't thought that far. I'm going to tell you, like, long-form content, I feel like, is easier than short-form. Really? Because you have to congest everything into, like, 10, 15 seconds or however yeah. long you want it. But, like, with long-form, you feel like you have breathing room. Like, you don't have designated duration yeah. to, like, abide to.
0: That's true. So I true. feel like
1: it's more free.
0: That's true. Yeah. Okay. We done? We'll check, in and we'll check in in two years and see if you've hit 100K. My warehouse? And see if I'm still years. at on YouTube. <laughs> yes. Okay. We'll do an update. Well, actually, before we wrap up, mm-hmm. uh, can you share with us where
1: everyone can find you? Yes, it's nice and easy because it took me seven months to find a name that was available on all platforms. Smart. It's Atola Visuals, A-T-O-L-A,
0: Visuals. Mm. and if you're in the california area they can reach out to you for video projects and ongoing projects as well yes
1: definitely reach out to me i'll try my best it's been busy but we'll work something out
0: and yeah thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey thank you so much and thank you for being here (laughs) Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.